You're listening to the Win More Podcast with John Zaldonis. In this episode, Dan Fisher, Principal, Producer, and Director at Bottle Rocket Media, a full-service video production agency, discusses current trends in commercial video production, methods of staying creative, and how his company adjusted to the challenges of the pandemic. Welcome to the Win More Podcast. My name is John Zaldonis, and we are back today to talk with Dan Fisher of Bottle Rocket Media. Listeners, uh, I'm excited to speak with Dan today. He's got a really good wealth of experience. You know, sometimes we'll have specific uh, guests on the show, and I'll feel like, oh, maybe maybe this person is only speaking to a segment of our audience, or maybe, you know, some of our folks will really, really get into this, but this might be a bit of a dull episode for somebody else. I don't think that's the case today. Um, Dan, I'm pretty sure, is going to have something that speaks to pretty much every single person who's listening to today's show. So this is going to be great. Dan, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, good. Good to be. Glad to be here. Excellent. Yeah. So we are recording this today on February 22nd, listeners, just so you guys know uh, what is going on in the world at time of recording. Um, I don't know about all of you all out there. There's a nasty winter storm blowing through a lot of the country in New York. We're going to miss it, but uh, I guess that'll be fine. I mean, I guess when I walk my dog later today, it should be a little bit more pleasant than, say, if I were living in Michigan or something like that. Um, But yeah, so Dan, just to get a little bit of a, a start here, um, I always try to, you know, kick these uh, interviews off with just a little bit of background. So let's let's do that right now. Can you just give our listeners a little bit of an idea of um, what is Bottle Rocket Media? Who got, who are you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Bottle Rocket Media is a video production company that I started in 2011. Um, my business partner and I, Brett Singer, we had just finished, uh, a decent run with the Oprah Winfrey show. I was the lead creative editor there and he was the lead, uh, motion designer. Um, and when the show ended, uh, we had some, uh, very obvious questions to answer all, you know, boiled down to what's next. And what we really, uh, came to, came to the conclusion was that, um, we wanted to keep making videos. We wanted to keep doing what we were doing, but maybe a little bit more on our terms. And in that moment, uh, maybe as, as a little further away from uh, a daily TV show, because that was a grind. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's what we've been doing for the past 11 years. We've been uh, making videos for brands and businesses and organizations, um, live action, uh, motion graphics, doing a lot in the nonfiction space, doc styles, doc style um scripted um just kind of all all over the place taking advantage of uh the marketplace created by the internet you know any opportunity for us to tell a story basically yeah well i mean it's funny because you mentioned like 2011 until now and you mentioned just you know videos online it's just a different world and it's there have been multiple evolutions of what that has looked like over that period of time as well right so yeah that's really interesting so in terms of you know the difference between doing what you're doing now versus you know as you said it was a grind to put out content on a daily basis do you find that you're able to just kind of just you know you know uh, put a little bit more thought a little bit more detail into what you're doing or is it just you know the the ability to kind of just uh I don't, I don't want to say relax a little bit, but be able to 
you know, uh, have a little bit more time dedicated to specific projects. Is that, is that one of the biggest differences that you've noticed? Well, that's definitely the biggest difference. Um, I, w- I would say, you know, um, and I approach a lot of, a lot of my career and a lot of what we do in, in this way, it, it's a reaction. What we're doing, what we're doing today and the way this business is set up is a reaction to, uh, just under a decade of churning out, you know, uh, three stories a day, somewhere mm. between between three and nine minutes of content a day as an editor, and just kind of like pushing myself to to tell the story and learn how to tell the story and, and learn how to take the visuals, and then take all of that experience and put it into this business. Right? I don't. We have a deadline every day, um, but I don't have the same level of of intensity surrounding it because uh, the stuff we do now is is a little bit more crafted. We have more time. We spend time to learn the brands and learn what our clients want. And so it's it's a it's a slower breakneck pace. Yeah, I like that phrasing. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, and I think that's one of the things you know. Um, for listeners uh, who've listened for a while, I think I mentioned this before. We we uh, very frequently when we go to the Murin conference uh, that was in Kansas City last year. I believe it'll be in Casey again this year. Um, and la- last last year during the conference, I was lucky enough to uh, contribute to a panel there, and that was one of the big discussions. Which is, you know, I think everybody, especially in our industry, kind of wants to be everything to everyone all all the time, all at once. And just realistically speaking, if you do that, you just end up stretching yourself too thin. So I think that you know your point about kind of truly getting an understanding of who it is that you're putting out, uh, you know, content for, and truly kind of wrapping your mind around that. It's something that I try to tell people is you know don't necessarily try to you know cover everything because you'll yeah you might cover cover everything but you'll be an inch thin. And so it's it, I think it's better to really kind of be in depth and choose to be, you know, a true master of something rather than trying to just kind of broadly cover everything. Yeah, for sure. I've, uh, I've been exactly what you described, you know, um, uh, you know, I've, I've been that way several times in my, in my career. Most relevant to this is, you know, probably just before the pandemic, um, we were, we were trying to do a few, a few too many things that were a bit outside of our uh, outside of our grasp, and it was it was moving in a lot of directions at once, yeah. and the work kind of was suffering. You know, not not even to the point where where the clients noticed, but we noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the one of the benefits for us uh, of the pandemic, which is odd to say, I know, <laughs> um, is that we it forced us to to take a deep breath and look at what we were doing and kind of redirect our business plan uh, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. You say that it sounds funny to say, but you know, the, the truth of the matter is there are, I, I don't think that you could interview anybody who says, yeah, I'd prefer to have lived through the pandemic the way we have. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that like every uh, crisis does present opportunity uh, to say, to quote Homer Simpson, crisis tunity. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, and, that, and that's certainly true. And I think that it's important to kind of face that reality and to try to take advantage of it whenever possible. So in that, in that regard, let me, let me ask you another question here, which is to say, so in that, you know, renewed sense of focus, what would you say you've emerged as, as like, all right, so I can say, just like kind of plant my flag and say, we do X, Y, or Z better than anybody else. What would you do? What would you say uh, you could say 
is true with that, in, at least in terms of Bottle Rocket? Well, I think where we are now as a team and, mm-hmm. and where, you know, compared to where we've, we've come from is I think our communication skills are tight. You know, mm-hmm. we're really, we're really well, well oiled machine. Um, you know, on one hand we work directly with agencies and we bring their vision to life and, and they come to us with boards and we talk about style and content and we talk about the, what their client, what the brand is wants to be. And we, and, and that's a, uh, that's a, a wonderful place to be. I, I love that relationship. Um, the, the other side of the, of the table is we do a lot of client direct. It's a much different conversation. Um, you know, client direct can be anything from somebody who does, barely knows how to spell the word video to somebody who has a, a, a real command of it and knows exactly what they want, but they don't, but the conversation, the creative conversation, the collaboration is different because they're, well, they're not an agency. Um, and so after, you know, a decade plus of like going back and forth between these two conversations, you know, we've really, we've really kind of, um, developed a, a skill, a process, a method, depending on, on who you ask of, of how to get all the information from all the players and, you know, put it back into the video. So to create the, the, you know, the most, create the best video possible, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's helped us with, it's helped us with, you know, conversations, of course, with clients. Uh, but when we, we do a lot of nonfiction work. And so when we're on set and interviewing subjects, it, it, it helps us. We've really developed a, a, a way to make everybody on set feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and of course, with the team internally, um, we, you know, we're, we're kind of almost seamless in our communications. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, stating the obvious here, but, you know, that is, that skill set is oh so much more important over the past, you know, three years or so, just because we do lack that, you know, you know, it's funny because a lot of communication, you know, you, you kind of sometimes forget we are human beings. And a lot of that is kind of nonverbal or kind of just stuff that we kind of pick up on just when we're in person. And, you know, it's nice to be able to go to conferences again and things like that. But, you know, um, again, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but, you know, pre-pandemic, what, me being in New York, I would visit so many of our clients because so much of our business was in New York. And, you know, this is pre-pandemic, so everybody's in the office. And it was a great way of kind of getting in touch and saying, all right, so, you know, how's Winmo treating everybody today? What do we think? What's good? What's not working? And obviously it's good for our clients in that I could come in and speak directly and, you know, help people with what their challenges are on any given day. But for me, me personally, it was great too, because, you know, I would have a day where I'd be all over Manhattan visiting like four different people and I'd be able to detect themes. And I'd be able to come back to our product team and say, guys, I really think we've got a gap here. Or I think there's an opportunity where we can expand this feature and get a lot of impact. And, you know, that's gone. Uh, That's just, it's straight up not coming back. So what do we do now? Like, so that means that we have to be more creative in terms of what we send out in terms of email campaigns or when we are on Google Meets and we are seeing people face-to-face, we've got to be able to make sure that we are really just, you know, doing our best to, almost over communicate, right? Almost like, just like kind of, you know, hit the, hit the hammer, uh, uh, the hammer to the nail until that thing is really buried. Um, because otherwise, you know, we, we just basically, um, we, we, we don't have, we don't, we, we don't have that old, uh, method of relying on making sure that we're in touch with people. 
Um, so yeah, so like, you know, one of the things that you also said in listeners know at this point that like our guests, I typically have a little chat beforehand we, before we record. Um, one of the things that you'd mentioned in the run up to today's episode that I wanted to get into a little bit more, which is, you know, you, you said that, you know, content is still the leader in commercial storytelling and advertising. And I'm curious as to what makes you say that when you say, you know, content or branded content is the leader in this kind of storytelling. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, so earlier, um, you know, we were saying how video is like the game has changed because of the internet. Yeah. And uh, that's sort of a double-edged sword because yeah, there's a ton of opportunity. And if I've only done one thing right in my career, it's start a video production company in 2011. (laughs) Um, um, but, um, branded content, like branded content is one of the few things that I think continues to cut through the clutter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, every, you know, there's so much video everywhere. Um, and branded content because of the way it's structured, um, I think, I think is just a cut above just about everything else out there. Yeah. I think if you consider the way it's typically structured with, you know, multiple episodes, it's a little bit longer form. It's not, doesn't necessarily fit into a box of six seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, or even a minute, you know? Um, and you know, that allows it to be more intricate, but I think more importantly, if it's done right, it's really just about delivering the overarching message of a brand. It's more like deliver. It's more like communicating an idea. It's not about the product or service. It's just about, it's almost like an anthem video, mm. right? It's just about selling this idea of what the brand is, which, right, that's like what a brand is anyway. It's just ideas for people to identify with. Right. Um, and so if it's done right, it's going to get the eyes uh, in a much more memorable way, right? You can do a creative commercial, you know, um, and there's no shortage of creative spots out there that people will talk about for a while. Mm. But, but some a, a good piece of branded content will live way beyond um, whatever its whatever its intended run cycle is. Um, yeah. I can think of um, well, like um, Heineken over the years has always done a really great job of of doing this. Um, yeah. I can't think offhand of of who of who's responsible for that, but I've always sort of gravitated towards the uh, you know especially because it's an alcohol brand a great way to deliver this feeling of, of what the brand represents uh, in a fun way. Um, and I think Dove does it really well. Um, you know, uh, self-care, uh, women's beauty, you know, like that's, you know, um, I have two daughters. I can, comp- I completely identify with this brand and the message that they're, that they're trying to convey. And I think, I think their, their videos, you know, each, each one of their videos tends to stand alone but put yeah. together, it's a consistent message, and I think they do it really well. Yeah, and I mean, I, 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 I in large part, agree with you there. I mean, it's funny because, like, I'll, I'll, I'll pick out another example too, which is again, we're recording this just like a week or two after the Super Bowl, and you know, obviously, you've got all of these Super Bowl commercials that were, you know, um, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, arguably arguably the biggest winner in terms of brands that came out of the Super Bowl spent zero dollars on advertising and that was Fenty 
um, because Rihanna did the halftime show. And I really liked there was just that little piece during the halftime show where Rihanna just like, you know, redid her makeup or whatever. And of course mm-hmm. we all know what that was. And I just mm-hmm. really like, so, I mean, you're, 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 you're really, really subtly inserting your brand into like, you know, arguably the biggest party, you know, the United States kind of uh, just kind of, has almost as a community because we're so segmented we're so all over the place like the super bowl is one of the few unifying things where pretty much everybody's watching it and the super bowl halftime show we've been pretty lucky in that we've had a good run of them recently like i still say the one um with uh dr dre and snoop and everybody last year was beyond amazing um yeah that was, that was that a was, good show that was the one where like everybody in my age range was just like, Oh crap, we're, 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 we're the demographic now. <laughs> we're yep. old. Yeah. Um, but yep. I mean, I thought the Rihanna show was great too. And it seemed like, you know, more, more or less everybody else kind of agreed that this is awesome. And you're just, you're embedding the brand into this extremely positive experience and you're doing it in a way that's subtle, but you're doing it in a way that's, as you said, is going to have staying power. Like, you know, how many times are people going to just look up that Super Bowl halftime show on YouTube for the rest of, you know, however many right. years it goes on? It's just right. going to be really sticky. Yeah. I would also say, you know, I think the reason I'm a fan of branded content is because I, I actually believe, um, despite what the stats on TikTok might be, um, that if you do some, if you produce something of quality of a, with, that's a quality idea, People mm-hmm. will watch. The attention yeah. spans haven't gone away for good. Um, it's just, you know, when you're trying to fit an idea in, into 30 seconds, like that's a real art. That is something different, you know, or, you know, a lot, we do, we do, we do videos of all lengths from six seconds to 60 minutes. And, mm-hmm. and to be forced into that box, it's really hard to communicate authenticity. It's really hard to communicate, you know, what, you know, the, the, mission or the vision of a, of a brand, um, you can sell a product, you can do something fun and, and quirky, but to really, to really, you know, be authentic about it. Um, and so I think when you do that, that's when people will actually watch until the end. That's when people will actually share and, and care yeah. when they can really identify with it. Yeah. So you mentioned TikTok, uh, which is obviously probably, you know, the new big social media platform. I'm curious if you when you look in your crystal ball, what do you see the future of branded content looking like? I don't know. I think um, (laughs) of course I know that is a tough one. Um, um, I've never been good at predicting the future. What I can say is I think uh, you're going to see a lot of platforms. similar to TikTok, where uh, real people will pick up likely their phone, but pick mm-hmm. up a camera and share their knowledge with the world, whether it's accurate, factual, you know, or, or, or complete fiction. Um, I do think, though, the creative business is, is cyclical. And so I do think, uh, you know, things that are short now will become long and things that were where long will become short. I, th- I think attention spans uh, are all relative and, and all it takes is, is one celebrity or one person to, uh, to say we're done making, you know, one person of influence to say we're done making six second videos, six second videos go out the door. Hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, there's always going to be pre-roll ads and there's always going to be that sort of thing. But, you know, right now, like every time we make a video, there's always a, an ask for 15s and 30s. Last year, it was 6s and 15s. 
you know, next year it could be thirties and sixties. It's really hard to say. Um, but, but I do think like it's constantly going to change. Interesting. Yeah. I, I like the idea of it being cyclical. I mean, I, I'm somebody who, you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the kid who like, you know, when everybody was ready for class to end, I would raise my hand and be like, hey, teacher, do I have a question about this? So like, yeah, I would <laughs> probably be okay with like a little bit more longer content. So yeah, I'm hopeful that you're right there. Um, I mean, I like long form, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, I, me too. you know, and long form really for me starts at 60 seconds, right? I'm not, yeah. I'm not asking for much to ask somebody to watch a video for 60 seconds, you know, yeah. but because of what we do, um, I can appreciate why somebody would want or need a six second video. Yeah. I mean, I'm the kind of guy who, you know, I prefer, I mean, also, I mean, I prefer it because he's a funny comedian, but I prefer like when John Oliver does a 20 minute segment on something versus like, you know, when Stephen Colbert does, you know, a, a routine and he hits like three sure. things in one minute, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty much right there with you. Um, we're going to take a quick break in a second, but before we do, I wanted to squeeze in one last question here. Um, let's talk a little bit about the tech aspect of all of this. Um, can you elaborate as to what aspects of tech, perhaps what emerging technologies are going to be making a difference in this field? Like, you know, how do we see tech as it relates to say, for example, tapping into viewers emotions? Well, I mean, because you put the date at the top of this piece, yeah, right? right? I'd be crazy to say anything other than AI right now. Oh, um, please, let's talk about this. I mean, I mean, I'm completely down all of the rabbit holes that are in front of me. I'm, I'm all over Chat GPT. I'm all over Mid Journey. Like, I am. There's no doubt. You know, I'm having conversations about Chat GPT with my team, but also mm-hmm. with my kids who are in school. Right? Like, it's yep. it's ubiquitous. Um, like, I have no doubt that. Um, the tools are going to continue to uh, make our lives easier in the video production world. Um, I'm already seeing them creep up in software that we've been using for years, but they just keep, you know, adding stuff on and and making, you know, adding um, uh, plugins, etc. It wouldn't even be, wouldn't even surprise me if in you know five to ten years a good percentage of what we do in post production is is done with the aid of AI tools. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here's it's... my caveat, though, because I know mm-hmm. we have to take a break. Tech, the tech won't won't get the emotions that humans can get. Yes. So I don't. So while some people are running around concerned about their jobs in what we do, I'm always going to need needed to go through my editor. I'm always going to need to go through my producer. I'm always mm-hmm. going to need to give it that human touch. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's you know, it's it's funny because like you know. It's it, it, right now. It's very easy to cherry pick um, uh, for things that like Chat GPT gets just dead wrong. Like sure. and like yeah. So like whatever. Like and I think you're right in that to a certain extent. There's always going to be. There's always going to need to be that human hand on the wheel, being like, look, this is this is dumb. Like you you you, you can't say this or this is just flat out wrong. So that's that, and and I'm certainly sympathetic to that. And in fact, like, you know, my wife and a couple of my friends, we have like an ongoing thread where we're like, look at this stupid thing. Um, But that doesn't address, however, is the ridiculous velocity at which it's been rolled out. And it's already come so far. It's obviously not all the way there yet. But yeah, again, listeners, just February 22, 2023 is when we're having this discussion. Were we, were we, like, ChatGPT wasn't a thing 
in February 22, 2022. Like no. we've gone, it, it's just no. so we've gone from zero to where we're at right now in such a short amount of time. I agree that there is such potential, but I also agree with you. Uh, the human, the human touch will, will be required moving forward. So uh, I don't think we have any fears about Skynet just yet. Do you remember, do you remember where the internet was uh, in 1995? <laughs> it's I, I, I'm going to spare our listeners my uh, dial up impression, but yeah, exactly. That's where we are with AI. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like we're just, we're just at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. So exciting stuff. All right, listeners, we are going to take a quick break. Much more from Dan in two seconds. And we are back. All right, listeners, we've got Dan Fisher with us here, and let's keep going with our conversation. Um, I mentioned this at the top of the show, obviously, and you mentioned at the top of the show, you've been at Oprah. And so, you know, we've, we've both been around the block a little bit. So I want to talk a, a little bit retrospectively now. I know we were just talking about tech and looking forward. So now let's kind of throttle back and take a look backwards. Um, what would you say are some of the most important principles that you've developed as a content creator that you try to stick to just whenever you've got a new project or whenever you pick up a new client? Um, probably, uh, integrity is a big one. Um, and authenticity integrity. I think everybody says it and I think most people do it naturally. Um, but you know, sticking to your gut and, and knowing who you are, um, you know, is, it's an important part of, of being creative. Um, because, when you have the ability, you know, as a creator, the ability to put stuff out to the world that influences others, you want to feel good about it when it's done. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think, I don't think that's a unique, I think that's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, obvious answer, or at least to me it is. Authenticity, um, which is similar. It took me a little bit longer to, to get there. Um, I think every creative person goes through, a personal journey as to what it is they're trying to say, trying to do, whether it's making it, making visuals or it's telling a story or, um, and I, I feel like starting out, you feel like you should be doing one thing until you find your, until you find your, I guess, you know, um, authentic self. Mm. Um, and, and so for me, like once I found it, which actually took me took me longer than I uh, than I thought it would. Yeah. Um, uh, it's really important to stick to that, to you know, to make sure that I'm that I'm being true to myself mm. um, in in whatever in whatever I'm doing. Um, and since I do um, spend a lot of time in the documentary space, I think it's it's logical and it makes sense. But it's really helped me. Uh, in that area, because uh, when I'm authentic, and I like to say I'm transparent to a fault, um, um, the people around me feel it, and uh, it makes it makes the conversations go smoother. And of course, if you're interviewing people or if you're capturing people's lives, that's probably the most important ingredient to that equation. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that uh, that's certainly true, especially uh, in terms of authenticity. I would say, again, this comes back to one of the chief lessons that, you know, I took away from going to Murin last year, which is, you know, it's important to be yourself. It's important to uh, kind of embrace who, who, who you are. And you know what? Sometimes that's going to mean that you're talking to somebody and you're going to have the conversation. And you're going to say, you know what? I don't think this is a good fit. And that's yeah. and that is critical. I mean, it, I think it takes um, it takes a lot of guts to be able to say that. To because, because like there, I I know there are going to be some people out there who's going to say, well, you know what, I'll work with anybody and I will, you know, make it work. And you know, uh, if if they're willing to pay me for a project, then I will do it, no matter what that is. And first of all, like you know, that's a terrible way to 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 operate because you know you're you're setting yourself up for some shady dealings at some point or another with that kind of philosophy. But for another thing, even if you're like you know hundred percent, like, you know, on board with somebody and, you know, you kind of believe in it. If it's not catering to a position of strength for you, the work is going to suffer. You can try all you want, but if you are not being authentic, if you're not, you know, just saying, yes, this is something that I truly believe is in my wheelhouse and something that I think I can knock it out. You know, you again, the work will suffer and, you know, people in our industry and people just in general, I think that we don't, sometimes don't give people enough credit for kind of people's general BS detectors. And if I, th I think that if, if you're doing something and it's not, you know, in a position where you truly feel comfortable, ultimately somewhere along the line that you're, th that's going to betray you. And so I think that that is really, really important. And yeah, obviously operating with a sense of integrity, that's important. I think generally speaking, and this is something not to pat Winmo on the back too much, but I this is something that I really truly like about our company is that we have our pillars that we stick to, and that's something that we discuss every single month when we have a company meeting. We discuss who are we as an organization, what are some of the things that we are core tenants of our identity, and then what do we do to act on them and make sure that we're upholding them. It sounds like the most you know corporate pablum. But I truly, truly believe that that is extremely important in that it gives you an identity, it gives you a purpose, and it kind of unifies everybody around a shared goal. Yeah, I think I think having a purpose around a shared goal, but but more so just a purpose in general at, at work and your day to day uh, is critical for success. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, you know, it's not it's not an easy thing to do to walk away from from any gig, yeah. um, you know, it's, that's not unique to the creative field, right? When there's bills to pay and there's things to do and you have a job and you don't love who you're working for, like that's, that's part of, you know, maybe the American experience to a degree. Um, yeah. um, and um, it's, as a, as a creative person, um, like you said, like you always feel it in the end. Like, you know, the second you take on a job that you shouldn't because of, because you don't agree with the principles or, or you just don't agree with the, you don't like the people, um, you know, right away um, that it's wrong. You can absolutely ignore those feelings. But when the video or the, for me, it's video, but when the project is done, you just don't have the same sense of satisfaction uh, for completing it as you would if, you did agree with it or, you know, it didn't change your principles or, or, you know, make you, or have you, what's the right way to say, it, ignore your principles. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, to that point, like, just let's see if we can point to any real life examples. I mean, obviously, if you don't want to name names, obviously, whatever you're comfortable with. But can you think of specific situations where just sticking to those principles like may have saved you or like perhaps just like painful lessons where you're like, ah, that bit me on the butt because I really uh, I really didn't stick to what I knew was right. Yeah, well, I think anybody who's worked in the film industry you know at the at the early stages of their career could appreciate um uh what it means to work in low budget cinema and every low budget project you work on they tell you uh it's not going to be that bad we we got we have to work a few nights here and there the the hours will be a little bit longer blah 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 and it always becomes you know a 16 18 hour day it's like a brutal brutal experience and also it's considered part of of like a ritual part of coming up in the business. Um, Mm. but you get to a point where you can no longer, that's no longer sustainable personally. Um, and everyone gets that point and they do one more job and it's just the worst job ever. Um, so that's, that's for me, like something that comes to mind. I mean, I've taken on projects that, um, I've regretted for sure. Um, uh, some stuff that politically was a little bit different than me. We don't really do much political work, but there was some stuff that was a little bit, in the in in not the right direction for us uh some stuff where um i fired clients um and not certainly in the beginning not 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 in year one Mm -hmm. but but later when i was no longer worried about having to sell my house you know i've taken on clients and been like all right this just isn't right they're abusive to my team or the message is just you know um just i just don't agree with the message so i have had those experiences um there's not one real standout thing. I think that um, that is like a that is a great example um, of 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 that I should or shouldn't have done. Just yeah. it's always for me surrounded the people, right? I had a when I was when I was living in LA and I was I was working as uh, as as a gaffer or a best boy electrician. I had some directors of photography and some gaffers that I worked with that were uh, just not nice people. Uh-huh. you know, and you're caught up in this work cycle of you're doing great work. You're really learning everything about it is great, except the person I'm working with, yeah. you know, and what's that? It kills the whole thing. It kills the whole thing. It kills the whole thing. And you endure it as much as you can and then you move on. And so, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, for me, yeah, I look back on those moments and I'm grateful because had I not been working, had I been not been working with those types of people, I might not have moved on to editing. And if I didn't move on to editing, you know, like those things, especially in a gig culture, force your hand sometimes to make decisions that you might not otherwise. So they, yeah, I mean, but that's hindsight. Yeah. I mean, certainly, but like, we've all been there and like, you know, like I can certainly think of experiences in my, you know, professional career. And I'm sure our listeners right now are being like, Oh yeah. I remember I was working for that jerk. What's his face. And like, yeah, but like, those are, yeah, in the moment they stink, but they are really important lessons that help shape us in terms of what our future is. And I think that, you know, if we want to kind of just kind of put a bow on on, on this general conversation when it, when it revolves around things like principles, I think what you mentioned about like, you know, I've, you've said you, that you fired clients in the past because they were lousy to your own people, you know, what we should always think about when we talk about principles is we should be regarding this over the long-term 
you know, lens. We should be looking at it with the term with, okay, so not let's forget for a second what this means for me tomorrow. What's this going to mean for me in a year or two years? If I continue working with this person, does this person who, you know, they're being a jerk to, do they leave me? And like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I maybe have got an extra client out of it, but I just lost a really valuable part of my team because of this, you know, that 100% will happen. So yeah, I think we should regard anytime we talk about like, just, you know, acting upon our principles. Yes, obviously, we want to make sure that we stick with them on a day to day basis. But the reason that we're doing this is not because of what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day, but because of what's going to happen a year, two years, three, three years from now. Yeah, I mean, and at the end of it, you only have two things, right? You have the product and you have the experience. And when you're in the business of making something for somebody else, creating for somebody else, right? The product isn't always the brass ring, Mm -hmm. right? I have clients that the product really inspires me. And I have clients that we make a product that it doesn't inspire me. I do a great job. I know what I'm doing. I love every moment of it. But when I see the product, it doesn't necessarily uh, get me excited. But the experience, you know, with my team, with the client, you know, how the how the audience uh, receives it, like that's a huge part of it. So yep. if you don't have if you're if you're not proud of that experience or that experience is tainted because of the people that you're working with, it really reduces 50 percent of what you're doing uh, to, to nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's switch gears just a little bit. Longtime listeners of the Winmore podcast, if you're playing the drinking game, bottoms up because I'm about to talk about COVID. Uh, I think we made it pretty far. Well, we did mention the pandemic a little bit, but I do want to address uh, the spiky boy uh, right here, as we like to say. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, shout out, by the way, if anybody uh, from the weather group is listening, I know you guys uh, are, um, you guys just actually renewed your subscription. So with that, thank you and congratulations. Um, but I was remembering you all today uh, rather, I guess in a bittersweet way, because we, we were talking, we were talking about uh, this particular client uh, on Slack recently. And I remembered, Oh, that's right. They were the very last client that I visited in person in 2020 before Rudy Gobert tested positive and the world basically shut down. Um, it was like, you know, listeners, I'm sure everybody's got this story. This is going to be one of those stories where like, what were you doing on 9-11? Everybody's going to have a story. Um, what were you doing the day before everything shut down? And I just remember it was the most surreal experience. We got there. I was just there to kind of take everybody's temperature, uh, pardon the pun, uh, and, you know, kind of figure out what, you know, what we could do better. You know, let's review Winmo. And I remember I was walking to the conference room. Everybody was clearing out their desks because they were all going to begin working from home the next day. And yet we still sat down unmasked in a, in a small conference room and talked with each other for 45 minutes. Oh, what an innocent world we were living in. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was basically three years ago, which is crazy to think about. Um, and I want to take the you know upcoming anniversary of shutdowns and all that stuff and kind of move that conversation forward here on the podcast, which is to say, you know, we've had... A, a, a decent amount of time now to adjust to the new normal. And so my question for you um, is what do you think is the most important adaptation you've made over the past three years? Like if you could say one thing is like, all right, so I had to stop what I was doing with this and completely change gears. What would that be? And would you say you've had a level of success? I think so. Um, uh, I, well, Personally, I, I now can make an incredible Manhattan cocktail. 
Um, so if if that if we're playing a drinking game, um, I might I might have won that category. There we go. Um, we 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 made some pretty pretty major pivots. Um, uh, I think during that time, I think mostly in the area of of live broadcasting, we didn't do any of that um, prior to the pandemic. Um, it's all stuff that was within reach of what we did. We have we have partners that we work with regularly in that space, but it was just not really part of our part of our bread and butter. We're much more of a, a hunter gatherer shop. We go out and shoot, bring it back and edit, or my designers are creating you know um, creating videos from scratch uh, in After Effects or or in 3D. But yeah, but uh, we didn't do a ton of of live broadcast stuff. Um, what I learned, I think is that it's all just storytelling. Mm. And so we had to get over the hump of the tech and, you know, we did, I don't think we did what, uh, anything that a lot of companies did. We, you know, bought a bunch of webcams, we bought a bunch of microphones. We started sending them out to people so that we could record them from their computers. We did all of the, we did all of the iterations of, of, of pivoting that you would, um, I think we did a, did a good job. I mean, we stayed open. Um, and I also think mostly we just leaned into our storytelling skills and um, our post-production skills. Yeah. I mean, and, and obviously everybody being stuck at home, that kind of just amplified the need for that to be even better than, 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 than like, you know, it had been previously. So that makes all the sense in the world. In terms of like just pivoting to to live stuff, how would you say, did you guys like, how was the learning curve on that? Would, would, did you say, would you say that like you, you picked it up pretty easily or were there just like a couple of st- stumbling blocks along the way? I mean, transparently, I'm not really a tech guy. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't pick anything up easily. <laughs> um, but, and so we really did rely. We have some, we have some partners that we work with, you know, uh, companies slash um, operators that we work with regularly that really do know the tech. Yeah. Um, I think for us, the hurdle was, how to keep it engaging, right? How do you take, um, how do you take a, a, a half day event and keep it engaging within the parameters of the box? You know, how do you take a fundraising video and make it, and you know, a, a live fundraising video and make it engaging enough that not only will people stay tuned, but they'll also give, you know? Uh, those, were, those were the bigger challenges for us. The tech stuff, was just more um, stress inducing. Like, I hope it works. <laughs> I hope the internet doesn't go out. Yeah. I hope, you know, like that, you know, and, and, you know, when we did, um, we did do a lot of, like, I, as I like to say, like hunt, hunting and gathering where we would just interview people, record it, and then edit it after the fact, um, you know, that conversation, um, it's like me doing tech support for, um, for my father-in-law, you know, it's like over the phone, you know, like, all right, now turn the camera to your left a little bit and and trying to like make it look a certain way, um, you know, before you even get to the point of trying to have an engaging conversation uh, was almost like if I, in, in 10 years, if I could film any behind the scenes conversations, those are the ones I should have filmed, right? Me trying to explain how to plug in a webcam to somebody who's never seen a webcam. 
God, I think, you know, we use a we use a recorder to record all of our meetings. It's called Chorus, by the way, listeners. It's really good if anybody's in the market for something like that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm sure I could go back through my archives now and be like, no, 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 click on this. No, you clicked right. on the wrong thing. Go back, go back. Um, I think we've all been there. So, yeah. Um, the other obvious, like, you know, uh, big thing that people talk about all the time when it terms in terms of adjustments over the pandemic is something that I'm sure you can speak to as well, which is just the mechanics of running a team fundamentally are yeah. a little bit different. Um, what would you say has changed or perhaps not even changed with stuff like that? I think we went through, I mean, I read every article, I read every, you know, uh, editorial, we, we went through what, you know, every company went through large and small, like culture died. Hmm. Culture was all but dead, right? We were, we were, you know, siloed, um, into, into individual people, not even departments. Um, yeah. and so it was really hard to, uh, to keep everyone together. It was really hard. You know, the creative process was, was longer. Um, you know, of course the, of course the workload changed and there was a challenge just into like, get it done. Um, with fewer resources, uh, mm-hmm. but it was really all about how to stay connected and how to collaborate. And it really was like, um, excuse me, um, it really was um, a real challenge to keep the creative conversation going. You know, getting on the phone with a client, selling, although there's not what was not much to sell during the pandemic. Right. Um, but get that stuff is um i agree with you like i'm an in-person type of guy so i miss that but that stuff almost didn't change in fact some of those changes are for the better like oh i don't have to fly to st louis for for a meeting i could do it over a webcam i'd still rather fly to st louis but i understand why they no longer want me um but the but the creative culture was really challenging so what we did was we we took our edit bay um, and we turned it into an office um, so that uh, Brett and myself could be in a in a place um, and then that allowed us to have and then we have a conference room and then the rest of our the rest of our office is just um, open loft space and so that allowed us to have at least three people in right when it when it came, came to a time where where things loosened up um, but ultimately. Uh, it wasn't until uh, 2021, mid 2021, when we said, oh, you know, when uh, after the vaccinations, when we said, OK, everyone has to come in two days a week. Mm-hmm. That's when we were able to start rebuilding our culture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, people who listen to the podcast have heard me talk about this, too. It was, you know, it, it's it's funny in that I think that we at Winmo already kind of had a little bit of a leg up because, you know, certain parts of our workforce, like. I'm in New York and the vast majority of folks uh, who work at Winmo are still in Georgia. Um, that did not start in 2020. I've been here for quite a while longer than that. So we already kind of had the, the built-in advantage, I guess, if you will, of having a team with people in different locations. But it's one thing when it's just John and a couple other people. It's another thing when it's literally everybody. Uh, and like, yeah, I think that some of the things that we did, we, you know, started doing virtual happy hours on Friday, talk about making Manhattans. Um, and, you know, we, we, we really, I think, again, a lot of this stuff, you know, when you, if you're just like describing it to somebody who is, um, you know, not like an office person, 
they will listen to what you're saying and be like, geez, man, this sounds like, you know, literally you're the guy from office space describing this. It does sound really lame, but it really makes a difference. It's re- really, really, truly does. Yes. Um, and yes. so, you know, even if like, it's like, well, this feels corny as heck. It, it works, man. And like, so, and I, and I'm really thankful that we kind of doubled down on those kinds of things. Um, and we continue to do that to this day. And I think that we are stronger as a company for that. Um, so I, I agree with you and yeah, like, um, uh, to our CEO, Dave, if you're listening, I know it's cheaper not to fly me down to Atlanta, but I'd like to go to Atlanta again at some point. So if, uh, yeah, you should go to Atlanta. Yes, exactly. See, listen to Dan. I should, John, John should go to Atlanta. And so that's, uh, let's make that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, awesome. That seems like a pretty good place to leave it off actually on the podcast. So Dan, uh, really appreciate you coming on today. If you, or if our listeners were interested in working with you, getting in touch with you, how would they do so? Oh yeah. Thanks. Uh, and thanks for having me. Uh, it was a great conversation. Uh, you can find me at the usual places. Our website is bottlerocketmedia.net. We're on Instagram uh, and maybe Twitter at bottlerocket312, uh, Chicago area code, um, and Facebook, Bottle Rocket Media. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm pretty easy to find these days. Awesome. All right. Well, listeners, I think that will do it for us today. Dan Fisher, thank you so much for coming on, listeners. Bottle Rocket Media, Dan Fisher, awesome episode. Had a great time chatting. Listeners, we will be back to talk with you all very soon.